We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans how you doing it's your boy john of the macri with you for another episode of the Knicks film school podcast coming at you at exactly 6 20 on a sunday evening in between the nfc championship game and the afc championship game um and most notably before the knicks play the their game tonight against the portland trailblazers we'll address that in a second but first let me introduce my co-host of course the one and only jeremy cohen Jeremy, how are you? Doing great, John. How are you? I am. Uh, I am okay. I am okay. I, I'm. I'm. As we were talking about um, before the podcast started, I uh, am not terribly disappointed uh, in the outcome of this game that just happened because I one don't really care, and two, like you, feel like Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. And what are you going to do? Sometimes he wins. A lot of times he wins. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. As it, as it were, a lot of times he wins. Um, so yes, uh, the Knicks play tonight. Uh, we are obviously not going to talk about that game. However, if you're listening and you want to hear, um, some opinions and thoughts on that game, stick around until after our conversation, because you're going to get my post game thoughts. So, uh, the, the game will be addressed one way or the other. Um, let's start there. Um, they're eight and nine. Right now, as we speak, tomorrow morning, they're going to wake up 8 and 10 or back to 500. Um, you made what was your prediction last week on their record? These four games, I said they go two and two. You said they go two and two, yeah, which means they'll okay. either go three and one or two and two, yeah. Um, no, wait, they're they've only played two of the games, three. They played the Magic and they won. Oh, that's right. Played the Warriors, I the Warriors they won. About this. Yeah, that's right. Which is funny because I thought of all the games that they were going to win was probably going to be the Kings one, but it was not meant to be. And did I go, I said one and three, right? Mm-hmm. So I am going to be wrong. I win again. You're a little too smug saying that, you know that? <laughs> I'll take uh, my victories. I won't turn them down. I won't stick my nah, nose. Listen, take, own, them, own them all the way. Um, here's, here's what... Uh, so we're we're, we're going to have a rather brief conversation again because there's going to be a game played by the time this is coming to you. Um, but I did think it was important to touch base because there seemed to be a lot of, like, there seemed to be a moment when they got to eight and eight where everybody was like, holy shit, this is happening. This is, the, we're, we're there, right? And I was fully on board with that because... Man, it's been some lean years. We've talked through some of them. Um, and then they lose to the Kings, and it feels like 
and the and the kid they passed on in the draft had 15 points and six assists or what I don't know what his style. I know he had a couple blocks. He had a good game. He had a very nice game. And the one that we took, you know, didn't do anything special. I think he's played how many games has Obi Toppin played now? Six, seven, five? Around then. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. It doesn't matter. He's he's played under 10 NBA games. Tyrese Halliburton has played under 20 NBA games. Um I I just I don't know. I didn't want to do this, but then I'm like, I have to do this because if I didn't do this, it'd be disingenuous. I feel like we need to, as a, as a fan base, have a, have more of a sense of like, look, let's appreciate and recognize the fact that this thing is finally like, you know what? We're not coming on here and talking about Jeremy. Can I list some things? We're not coming on here and talking about a head coach. It's a fucking clown show. We're not talking about how the front office went in and gave their players an ultimatum to make the playoffs and to share more nicely, like good children in the sandbox before the season started. We're not talking about how the highest paid player or players is ball hogging it and they're last in the league and assist percentage and they have an offense that doesn't know what it's doing and a defense that's different every night. And we're not talking about how they're the laughing stock of the league. We're not talking about any of those things. And there's like so much good going on, at least for, for that, for this, I just, I don't know. Maybe I am expecting too much. Maybe I've been doing the, 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 the media stuff for too long, but I just, something about this weekend irked me a little bit. It can, do you want if you want to call me out, please call me out. No, I don't want to call you out. In fact, it feels like now it's like every week where I'm doing like this old man rant. But I'm going to do it again because I'm with you. It's it, Again, it's like we are very lucky to be in a position where the two biggest problems right now seem to be why is Alfred Payton getting minutes slash starting over Emmanuel quickly? And why did the Knicks take Obi Toppin over Tyrese Halliburton? And again, this one game, no matter how it was played, it was going to dictate how the narrative for a lot of fans. If yeah. Obi Toppin had a great game and Tyrese Halliburton didn't, you were going to say right saying we did, S- did a great job. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have mattered. And it's one game out of a rookie season for two players who will likely be in the NBA for at least 10 years. So yeah, obviously their ages are a little different. Toppin's a bit older. He's 22. Halliburton, I believe is 20, 21. So um, and, I think he's not, he's either 19 or 20. I'll look it up now. Right. So again, it's like why it is an exercise of futility to try to figure out right now, Oh, we should have taken this player, or that player. And this is coming from someone who was, was somewhat upset when Obi Toppin was taken but even still it's, it's not, it doesn't make sense to me to judge based on 10, 20 games, especially when it's one in particular, because it's head to head just makes no sense. And, and Tyrese Halliburton is able to excel because of the fact that he doesn't have to be the primary creator. You have De'Aaron Fox taking on the, that sense yeah. of responsibility. And right now our biggest question with Obi Toppin is like, well, how does it work with Randall? Because Julius Randall is playing like an all-star. Yeah. So again, like that is a pretty nice thing to, to have. So I, I can't there to me, it makes no sense to be upset about it. Just give it time. It, it, the other thing is we, we talk about RJ Barrett, right? There's a, a point this season where things got really gloomy or we talked about the fact how up we're, until we're going to get there in a ago, second. <laughs> sure. Up until a year ago, it was like Kevin Knox is not an NBA player or Julius Randall should be traded for matching salary and like very little because we have to get him off the books. And, and at the age of 26, he's blossoming. So if all what all of that says to me is like, hey, maybe if you're going to make statements that you think kind of convey everything, just be a little bit more patient because things can actually turn out fine. We just have to give it a little bit of time. He's not, as I believe it was you who said, like he's not playing the the Fordhams of the world. Obviously, you went to Fordham, so you could say that um, in college. Where, where Fordham he's, sucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sorry. So, no, I mean it's 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 true. Um, but the idea of like he's he's trying to understand the game, and when you're out for an extended period of time, and you're a rookie, and you're trying to soak it in, and you're a late bloomer to begin with, so your path is just a little bit behind. And, you know, like I even said, the bar is a little bit higher for him this year because he was, you know, a top 10 pick because he's 22 years old. It, it needs to click a little bit more and it does, but he still has time. And the fact that you said like he's not he just hasn't played that much. So how we can hold that against him when Tyrese Halliburton has gotten more into a rhythm, there are more complimentary players around him. It's just it's a process. And so why we're analyzing it where it's like we're at the very beginning of it, maybe one percent of their entire careers. It doesn't make any sense to me. Obi Toppin, sorry, I was just looking up. Obi Toppin has played 84 NBA minutes. 
Um, there you go. Played, played, played seven games. Um, here's the thing. And then we could move on to something else. Cause like, I, I, I trust me, I get it because I was watching and it was, it, there was definitely a part of my soul that was seethed. What, um, as it were watching Halliburton do his thing because he, he like, let's, also acknowledge the fact he'd be helping this team a lot right now. Um, his shooting, if nothing else, would be helping this team, making correct plays, um, all, all of those things. Uh, you put him in place of um, – is Tyrese Halliburton a starting NBA point guard for a good team? No, as you just explained very eloquently, he needs someone to play off of. Would he be a better option than Alfred Payton right now? Yeah. Um, I don't think we'd have uh, Emmanuel quickly on this team if Tyrese Halliburton. I, I imagine that we would be sitting looking at um, – uh, Halliburton and um, oh my God, the name of the kid is escaping me. Isaiah Stewart, I think was the kid at Washington that was getting a lot of press before. Yeah. Like someone like him or, or I, and I forget. He was taken he earlier, but I, was, uh, I know you're saying whatever yeah. someone, you know, Zeke Najee, I for, like yeah. a, a big, I think they would have taken a big, cause I think they were coming out of this draft with a guard and a big. Um, so that's one um, Two, as you, just said, and I, I made sure to like how this isn't Donovan Mitchell. All right. This isn't, um, I'm trying to think of another example. This isn't even Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like this is passing on a guy who is going to be a helpful player for him in the NBA for a very long time to take a chance on a kid who we, we should acknowledge that like, based on what we've seen so far, is there a chance that Obi Toppin's a bust? Absolutely. Was there a chance that Obi Toppin was going to be a bust a month ago? Absolutely. But what I will say is the two biggest concerns I think that people had for Toppin coming out of college were, one, his defense was going to make him unplayable, and two, was the shot a real thing or is the shot just like a thing that we're going to maybe pretend is a thing? Um, the defense hasn't been something that's been like that huge of a deal, and it's early, but he's 5 for 16 from three, shooting 31%. Um, a little bit of a funky form, but it is what it is. The thing, and also, by the way, he's given us passing that has been, in my opinion, off the charts. Um, and all the work ethic stuff, and like, you know, he seems to be a good locker room guy, all that crap. And the one thing that is supposed to be a given, his ability to dominate down low, that's the thing that's been slow coming, which is, again, I think a function of, uh, getting used to this level of play. So let's pump the brakes on. We screwed up by not taking Halliburton. Um, and, you know, to echo what I started saying, enjoy what's here and happening right now, um, to which, man, talk about overreacting. Do you know what I get, came on this podcast and said, I think about 10 days ago? What was that? I, I took a question during the mailbag. Chris Percy Einan read the question. I answered the question. The question was, how would you rank the Knicks' assets right now? Do you know where I put R.J. Barrett on that list? I can't remember. Was it? I, I'll tell you. It's, it's fine. I put him fourth. Um, I put him after the two, their own 2021 draft pick, which... Mm, oh, I, want, I want to hear your opinion because I'm still not quite sure about that. I put him after Julius Randle, which I also think is defensible if incorrect. And I put him after Mr. Toppin because to me at that point, the unknown was more valuable than the known. Well, since I said that, I think literally this started the day after I, I, I answered that question. Um, he's averaged 20 points, six rebounds, like three, four assists on uh 50% shooting. And he's made some threes. <laughs> he was two for two the other night. The rest of the team was three for 80 uh it's it's be it's come quick now for rj and he's making little signs every night and so like on the list of things that nick fans i think have to be happy about right now um and watch he's gonna go out and shoot you know two for 18 tonight of course i just signed his death warrant um let's hope that doesn't happen uh he it's i think rj has to top the list right yeah, no, I agree. I, I, sorry. The reason I was pausing was I was looking at a list because I, I felt like I love when you look at lists. Yeah, well, you know, you had something similar to this, uh, but you included the turnovers, and that was the the factor with Anthony Davis and and RJ. But if you expanded it, just take out the turnovers, and you have a player who's averaging at least eighteen points per game, at least seven rebounds per game, and at least three assists per game. Um, there's a fair amount. There are. Let's see. Well, it's I'll name them. It's Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Jason Tatum, 
Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, Nikola Vucevic, Julius Randle, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, DeMontis Sabonis, Bam Adebayo, Russell Westbrook, Andre Drummond, Pascal Siakam, and RJ Barrett. All of those players has made an all-star game, except for two, Julius Randle and RJ and Barrett. Barrett. All of those players are older than RJ Barrett. It's this idea of, you know, and you see it, it you know, you try to differentiate between the last five or six games. Are they, is it a hot streak or is that more um, what you hope to achieve? If you're RJ, you know, in terms of shooting, I think it's a little bit of both. Maybe the answer for what he eventually is kind of is in between, but it's hard not to look at that list and, and not appreciate what he is and the asset that he can provide you. Because I'm all about, if you get the best wing or at least among the best wings in your building, you're in a really great shape. He may, you know, and that's the thing it's with RJ and we've talked about this too, this idea of pretend that RJ Barrett is not going to turn into an alpha because if he does, then that's great. Maybe if you found another one, then you've got two alphas, but if he isn't, Again, he's still a very productive player who can give you quality minutes and who can win. And it's almost like there's this assured confidence about him that it doesn't come off as like superstar-esque. And I think the shooting when it comes around is a little different, but like, you know, he, he's not super flashy. Um, Cause like, even you said, you tweeted about how like, uh, I think I don't in even, the Warriors game, he had like, I don't even think you need quiet, the super. I think he just say he's not flashy yet. Right, he's not. Yeah. And, and yeah. even with his face, he, he, he's not very emotive. There's not a lot of expression there. Um, he's a stone cold assassin. And like when you had tweeted about how, like, if it's possible, RJ had a very quiet 18 points in the first quarter. And it's, yeah, it, it's like first half, but yeah. Yeah. It's right. The point being is that you could see that he's doing damage, but you may not think like, Oh, RJ Barrett's killing. I mean, we do because we're Knicks fans, but maybe if you're examining it, it's, it's kind of just like, Oh, RJ's just doing work. And you look up and it's like, he has how many points that's he's, he's impacting the game in other ways. How? Um, so, you know, I mean, at this point, I, I would say RJ has to be first or second. And the reason I would say second is a possibility. Um, and this is going to be kind of a, a theme as well throughout the entire year. But John, as you know, the fan base can often be very fickle. Uh, you lose a couple games, it's the end of the world. You win a yep. couple games, you're on fire. And we're not look, above that, by the way. We're I not. Just want to throw no, that absolutely. We not. talk. We, I talk like I am sometimes. We I'm can right get caught up there. in it too. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. So, but you know, the Knicks sit eight and nine as we currently talk about this. They'll either be nine and nine or they'll be eight and ten. After that, they have a few games that are really difficult, um, and then the schedule gets a little bit easier. So it, it's ups and downs. But the whole point here is that the Knicks are two games away from being tied for the fifth best record in the NBA, but they're also two games away from being tied for the fourth worst record in the NBA. That sounds about right. So it's this idea of we're just going to go back and forth on when things are good, things are great. When things are bad, things are terrible. And that's going to impact the 2021 pick because there are a lot of really Good team. I mean, the Heat have been without Jimmy Butler, and they're really not that far behind. The Raptors, after starting, I think one in five, are they, now seven and nine, and they look good today. And they, their net rating over the last two weeks has been like plus two. They're they're yeah. gonna they're gonna write the ship, right? And the Magic, you know, they were struggling. They, they it was a hard fought game that they came back from, and even though they have a ton of injuries. They're there. The Bulls, you know, they don't have the worst coach in the NBA anymore. So yeah. that certainly benefits them. Um, and then, you know, you've got, I, I think I'm probably leaving out one or two, like the Hornets still have Gordon Hayward. And if they can make adjustments, they're they're in it. So no, and there's teams out west a, too you didn't even mention with like I mean, right. one of them just beat us, right? The Kings. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although you know. I, I still maintain that it's a it's really a problem to win back to back games when both are on the road, you know, you adjust for the schedule. I mean, the Kings won. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to take away from that, but yeah, no, it was, good it was a very slug game that on the Knicks side and you could see what they did the night before against a good war or an okay Warriors team even though no, the, they the didn't Warriors have team's good. Yeah, they're, they're good enough but they're yes mediocre at the very least yeah sure um, <laughs> so, but that kind of feeling of, and it's something to track as we go along um, just how all these teams are doing but it's nice to know that the the Knicks can still be good and still finish with the potentially bad pick, which like, you yeah, know, that's the best of both worlds. I would say in the sense of like, they're close enough to that play in game where you can taste it and maybe you're a season away, but, um, but you're also not that far away and you're still competing until like the last few games of the season and you could still get a good pick. So and we'll, we'll let things play out, but it's, it, it is shaping up to be um, exciting, but also kind of comforting in a lot of ways too. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. It's a, it's not a bad place to be assuming that the, despite what I said 
earlier, I do think the positive, the, the vibes are mostly positive um, with, you know, we've already, we've already had our requisite uh, Woj, uh, Woj podcast. Like, Hey, the Knicks are, th- there's a, there's a, what did Zach Lowe say? There's a different, you could tell there's something different. Like those are the sound bites that you just, you need um, as an organization when you're trying to turn the corner. Right. And as long as those continue and you and people may listen and be like nobody gives a shit about that players don't care about that i maintain i will maintain until the day i die that that shit matters that players do not want to come to a place that is a laughing stock and everybody's making fun of um you know with the exception of i guess austin rivers who was like no i wanted to take on this challenge but most players don't um and more importantly players want to feel like they there's a it's a place that they could come to and win and that's the the more tangible side of the RJ Barrett um, development curve here, because between him and Randall, um, now all of a sudden they have two guys like, OK, those those are two guys that I could go ball with, you know, um, on, on any given night. Will it matter in terms of, you know, we don't need, we're not going to have a trade discussion right now, but, you know, them going out and getting someone with the hopes that they could resign that person. Hint, hint, um, or or potentially maybe even the summer, you know, surprising us. Um, the only other thing I want to say with the with the Barrett thing, uh, trade ranking. I think, I think it's different when you're talking about trade value. I think it's different. Like the Knicks value, I believe I the Knicks value RJ Barrett more than they would value, let's say, the ninth pick in this upcoming draft or the eighth pick or like the 10th, something around there, maybe even a little bit higher, maybe more than like the six picks. I think other teams around the NBA may have that equation a little bit differently because of what RJ has come in here, kind of taken on the challenge to like being a Nick, the whole thing. And there's also the continuity factor, right? Which is that would not matter for some other franchise judging RJ Barrett's trade value. So I just, in my slight defense, I just want to throw that out there. I disagree. I think that RJ is going to be worth more than, say, the eighth or ninth pick in this year's draft, just because of the fact that, yeah, you're looking at two years fewer or two, you know, two years less on your rookie scale contract, but you're also talking about a player who is proven, who has you shown are, progression. You are talking about that. It's, it's a player who's proven. And you're talking about, you know, more of a mystery box. I mean, th- this is supposed okay, to be so a maybe great draft, eighth, sure, but maybe not the eighth pick. But I mm, is RJ Barrett worth a top five pick? That's a different. That I think is a, a then, more then we're getting scintillating conversation. Scintillating, yeah. <laughs> which we will save for another time. Last thing we do need to discuss, though, very important because uh, we are nothing if not upholders of tradition on this podcast, and we have a tradition that is now two weeks old, three weeks old, <laughs> something along goes those back lines. Long time. Yeah, it goes back a ways. Um, where we're going to predict records for um, the next uh, f- the the next week's worth of games, right? Mm-hmm. So we already predicted this game because we thought uh, it was originally scheduled for nine o'clock. In which case, we were going to maybe record afterwards. We're not obviously doing that anymore. So here are the games that will be played before we record next week. Um, let me find my portion on the schedule here. Okay, so they're at Utah. On Tuesday. It's a 9 p.m. start. They better not make that start later. I'll be very upset if they make that start later. Yeah. Um, Friday at home for the Cavaliers of Cleveland, uh, now owners of the second best defensive rating in the NBA. Kudos to Cleveland. And then I think we'll the Clipper game got moved up to one, so we'll record after that game. So Clippers at home. You really, I mean, this is you have a trump card right here because it's three games and you get to go first. So I do. Although I, I there's a very good chance that you could take the mantle from me next week because I'm gonna. I mean, a lot of things could happen. It's it's possible. Yes. Um, the Jazz. I mean, the the Jazz are on an eight game win streak. Uh, the best team in the NBA over the last three weeks. Yep. The last team to beat them was actually the New York Knicks, and it there took it a lot of effort to do that. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Cavs just beat, I mean, Sexton's gone off. Uh, Jared yep. Allen's f- fitting in seamlessly, it seems. Um, and the Clippers are the Clippers, you know? They're pretty damn good. So six I'm going to... They've won their last six, and I think they play today, so I forget. They beat the Thunder today. Yeah. Oh, so they won their last seven games. Okay, mm-hmm. wow. They have Oof. the best record, tied for the best record in the NBA. So not an easy schedule. So, um, 
you know, I'm going to have to go with 0-3 on this one, much to my chagrin. It's just, uh, I think that the, the gimme game is the Cleveland one, or, you know, maybe you could think of that for the LA game, like that trap game of they're yeah. in New York and there's nightlife, but these players can't leave. So, nightlife anymore. so <laughs> exactly. So, um, I'm going to, you know, the Cavs game, I think could be a toss up, but you could say that about the last one where we felt that, you know, maybe the Knicks should have won that game. Uh, the You know, the one that they lost in Cleveland and um, others, you know, the, the Cavs are playing well enough and they have a better record that they could probably say, no, no, we think we could easily beat the Knicks. So um, I'm going to say 0-3 on this one. Um, I'm going to say 1-2 one and, th- and two when I feel good about it. Yeah. I feel really, I feel pretty, pretty confident. I think they're going to win. I'm going to think they're going to figure out a way to win one of these games. We'll see. Um, and then, you know, lest uh, you feel like there's all doom and gloom coming up after that, it's back-to-back games at Chicago and then home versus Portland, home versus Miami, who struggled. Then they go down to Miami. Then they're in Washington. And then the Knicks, the, the New York Knicks actually get to play games in New York. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of eight games they play at home. So even if... Uh, things get a little dicey over the next several weeks. I think there is a significant chance. And all those home games are against teams that they like, there's no real huge powerhouses in there. The best team is probably Indiana or San Antonio in those seven out of eight at home. So there's a real chance they go into the, into the break with a, you know, with a, a decent record, if not a winning run, Jeremy, we, we did it. We kept it to 25 minutes. Unbelievable. I did not think we would actually be able to do it, but we did it. Uh, we're going to get a chance to watch. Are you, who, do you have a rooting interest in this game, the, the Bills game? I don't really care. I mean, I like either team. It'd be fun to watch the Bills go to the Super Bowl for the first time. Not maybe the first time in like 25 years. Uh, were you geez, alive honestly, the last time they were there? I think, uh, was it 96 was the last time that they were there? Oh, God, you're terrible. If it no, was, then um, I was alive. It was, no, they. it was 1993. It was the 93 season. I think the Super Bowl might have occurred in the beginning of 1994. Right, I, but they, they went to four straight Super Bowls. Yes, 1991, 92, 93. And no, the answer is no. You were not alive. I was not. I was born in 95. And yet I remember watching all four of those Super Bowls. My God. This is just this is a sad state of affairs. Um, I don't really care who wins either. Uh, stay, <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. Uh, anything from you before we go? No, that's it. That's it. That's, that's all she it. wrote. Okay. That's all she wrote. Um, this was fun. Uh, we'll, we're going to have a longer conversation next week because we'll uh, we're going to have to commemorate the uh, quarter quarter mark of the of the NBA season. So that'll be fun. And um, also do a, a Clippers post game. So we got a lot coming up next week and uh, we got more coming up right now because here are my thoughts on this game that uh, is, is yet to take place, um, but will have taken place by the time you listen to this against the Portland Trailblazers. Quickly racing up the floor, goes inside, lays it up and in with nine tenths of a second remaining. Blazers inbound and that's it. Despite... 31 points from Emmanuel quickly. All right. <clears throat> well, happy Sunday, folks. First and foremost, um, hope you had a good day. Hope you had a good weekend. How do you talk about a game like this? How do you talk about a game like this? Well, for starters, for starters, I'm gonna pull a I'm gonna pull a fast one on everybody. I'm not starting with Emmanuel quickly. I'm not starting with Emmanuel quickly because there was once upon a time uh, known as the last 20 years in this in this godforsaken existence rooting for this team, where Emmanuel quickly would have never gotten a chance to, you know, do what he did in the second half and in this game because this team would have just laid down and died. Um, and they didn't lay down and die and they made it a game and yeah, I mean, sure. They've had rookies come in and score points before a lot of points even, but they weren't meaningful points. They were points in blowouts. These were meaningful points in a game that the Knicks ended up losing by, uh, what are the, what was the final score? They lost by three. I, I have said it a lot this year. I will say it again. And it is the most important thing. It is more important than anything Quickly's doing or Barrett is doing or Julius Randle's doing or anybody is doing. 
This is there is something different about them now under this coach, under this regime, with whatever the mix is that they got in this locker room. You know, I, I just they were down by 25 points against a team that was hitting everything against a team that was off for a week. And they had played their uh, third game in four nights on a West Coast trip. Like, they had every reason to lay down and die. Every reason in the world to lay down and die. And they didn't. And they kept fighting. And the fact that, um, you know, Julius Randle was the one who was making defensive plays to actually make this a game, you know, that the fact that that's the same guy as last year, you know, okay. Um, So, (laughs) see, this is why I don't really go on Twitter. Because I, I I I glanced before, and all anybody wanted to talk about was Tibbs rotations, and why does he have this guy in, and why does he have that guy in, and why is it quickly starting, and why is it for why is it for Payton on the bench, why is RJ Barrett on the game, and all of these things. And here's what I'm going to say: If you have a gripe about any of those things, or about anything else that I didn't mention. Your gripe is incredibly valid. It is 100% valid. Any gripe is valid because we're fans. We're allowed to have gripes, right? Here's the thing, though. This team is 8-10, and and I know they have lost two games in a row. But in what universe? Not this one. In what galaxy? What's bigger, a universe or a galaxy? I think the universe is bigger. The universe contains galaxies, right? In what universe were we ever going to be? eight and 10. And I don't care if Tom Thibodeau is going back into the locker room and doing voodoo after these games or before these games or fucking during these games. He has this team playing hard. He has this team playing smart. He has this team playing organized at both ends. Yes, I understand. I'm talking about a team that gave up 70 points in the first half. And that is because if a team is going to go out and shoot the way that the Blazers shot in the first half, they're going to score 70 points. Um, But a lot of those threes are well contested. And a lot of them were taken by the guy who, aside from Steph Curry, is probably the best three-point shooter in the league today and maybe one of the five best in the history of the league. So for as much as I could sit here and I could talk about all of the different things that I wish Tibbs did differently, like did I think Austin Rivers was providing any help in the fourth quarter? No. Would I have liked to see R.J. Barrett in the game? Absolutely. Even though I think his presence cramps up the spacing a little bit, I get it. Um, I think the other subtler thing is I think or uh, Austin Rivers is a little bit uh, more live, life, live on defense, and I think they were looking to to get you know guys out there who could get skinny against screens and kind of counter what the Blazers are doing on offense. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and we'll get to Peyton in a second because we we need to talk about Alfred Peyton. But whatever. Whatever Tibbs is doing, I'm not sure that any of us are in a position to question it that severely because the thing is where it is right now, and they are playing like they are playing, and I think they are playing at a more respectable level than at almost any time in the last two decades. And if a coach is going to figure out a way to get that done, he deserves some modicum of deference to what he is doing. Um, Someone just asked, why was Julius fouling when we had a guy trapped? I made a tweet before that, or I sent out a tweet. I made a tweet. I sound like my fucking dad. Um, I sent out a tweet before that I thought the refs were horrible. And Julius's reaction to that foul call, I don't think he was trying to foul. I think they called a foul there that they shouldn't have called. And I thought they called a foul on the previous trap on Alec Burks that they shouldn't have called. I thought the refs were terrible in this game. Would the Knicks have lost anyway? Probably. But I didn't think the refs helped them out at all. Um, So... Uh, let's talk about some good stuff, all right? Because, like, again, I, I, I just maybe it's because I've been watching this team for too long and my expectations are so low and the bar has been set so close to the floor. But I just I'm having a lot of trouble mustering the strength to get on here and be like, oh god damn it, this or that. It's like they just came and made a 25 point game, a three point game. Um, so. Let's hold off on some of the bad stuff and let's 
about some of the good stuff. And what was that good stuff? <sighs> Emmanuel quickly. Emmanuel. Isn't there a song like with Emmanuel in the title? Well, there should be if there isn't. Um, I've said it a few times this year, and I don't know how else to put it. This is real. What's happening with Emmanuel quickly is absolutely real. When you get a guy in his, as a rookie, you're not looking for the complete game. And Emmanuel quickly, I think the reason he's not starting, and this is the one thing, and I've been consistent with this all, all season, that if anybody wants to really get on tips about, this is the one thing that I'll give you a pass because I do think he should be starting. Um, the reason he's not starting, though, is because you see moments from him where he plays like a rookie and he makes rookie mistakes, where he makes rookie mistakes mostly on offense, organizing the offense. Um, we saw a few in the first half. Uh, the last possession of the half for the Knicks, he didn't get the team organized. Um, there was a bad turnover. We was trying to go in uh, alley-oop route to Berlin's Noel. He had another moment where um, – the another moment or two where the, 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 organ, the offense was just disorganized. We are past the point of that mattering. He should be starting regardless of whatever mistakes he makes. And please, Tom, I love you, baby. I love you. I really do. I'll build this. I'll be the first person to be in front of Madison Square Garden getting ready to build that statue if we are in the running for the 10th seed at the end of this year. But please, Tom, do not tell me Alfred Payton is starting these games because of his defense. Because I have the same working eyes that you do. And it ain't the defense, buddy. Um, if you want to tell me he gets you into your sets, if you want to tell me he doesn't make certain mistakes in organizing the offense, I'll believe any of that stuff. Um, but what we have seen from quickly, there's too much good. Yes, he still makes rookie mistakes. It doesn't matter. Because the skills that he is showing, the ability to draw fouls, the ability to just let loose from 24, 25, 26, 27 feet, um, and just ice water in his veins. Clyde said it on the broadcast. I mean, this kid has no conscience. He will absolutely put it up at any time, every time, but at the same time, he's not forcing it. And that's the key. Because if he was coming out there and he was forcing these shots and they were not the right basketball play, and I'm not saying there aren't better, there aren't passes to be made. You know, he I've noticed a couple times on these floaters, he misses guys in the corner. Um, there are other little things here and there. So he's not perfect. But you cannot teach, you cannot teach the level of aggressiveness that he has. You cannot teach the amount of um, fouls that he draws. You obviously can't teach the range. You can't teach the shooting ability. Um, and the kid got 31 points in his, what is it, his 15th NBA game? I mean, what else can you say? He is part of the core. He is the answer to a lot of their questions. And one way or another, he needs to average 25 to 30 minutes a night for the rest of the season, even if it's not in a starting job in the immediate future. So, that's what I have to say about Emmanuel quickly. Um, someone with a comment, Alfred was sleepwalking out there. Uh, look, Alfred did what he could against Damian Lillard. It didn't matter. No one was stopping Damian Lillard tonight. It didn't matter. Like, that's not a reason you start Alfred Payton. But I, I, I really – I can't talk about Alfred Payton anymore because what am I going to say? We see – we're all seeing the same shit. He's a limited player. He's trying his best. It's going to be either – two for six or three for nine or four for 12 on any given night. He's not a guy who should be starting NBA games. Tibbs knows that. The Knicks know that. Alfred Payton probably knows that. Um, but I just think he's leery about throwing a, a, a rookie into the deep end. That's what I think this is about. I don't think this is about any hard-on for Alfred Payton. I think this is about the, the trepidation about starting a rookie at the most important position in the league. That's all. Um, that said, I think he's going to, start him at some point pretty soon. Let's talk about Julius Randle because Julius Randle did like talk about a guy that of everybody who is on this team, I would have been like, yeah, that guy'd be cool. Just kind of going into the locker room and like losing this game by 20 something points. Julius Randle didn't do that. He ended up with 25 points, 
um, got to the free throw line 11 times, only seven for 18 from the field, uh, seven rebounds, five assists, five turnovers. Not the best statistical game from Julius Randle, but I thought Julius Randle embodied everything that has been good about this team this year. Um, he fought, consistently tried to make the right play, didn't always make the right play. Um, the possession where they were down by four and the best shot that they could get off was a contested Randall uh, three, or maybe it was a long two, I forget. I didn't even think that possession was really all of Randall's fault. Um, that's another instance where quickly he was trying to get the, uh, the offense into its whatever. Uh, it didn't happen. Ball went to Rivers. Rivers didn't do anything with it. I thought Rivers should have put it up from three. He didn't. And then Randall was forced into a tough shot. That's the possession of everything that we saw that I would have liked to uh, I would have liked to have back. Did Randall kind of force it on a couple of those possessions? Sure. Am I about to fault him for it after everything he's done for this team this year and after everything he did for this team tonight? No, absolutely not. I thought Randall played an outstanding game, and I have zero to complain about where he's concerned. Um, and then the only other guy I guess I'll mention on the good side is Alec Burks. Alec Burks ended up with 18 points, uh, five of eight from three. He's absolutely a difference maker. Um, he putting aside, the, I mean, the quickly thing is like, again, do you start the rookie who's not really a point guard at point guard? Whatever. I get it. There is no more excuse to not start uh, Alec Burks. Um, Alec Burks should start every game that he's here. He offers more. Then Reggie Bullock does. He's hitting more shots than Reggie Bullock. He puts the ball on the floor better than Reggie Bullock. Um, he's not the defender that Reggie Bullock is, but to be honest with you, I'm not sure that that trade-off is worth it. Um, so, yeah, I'm all I'm all here for for Alec Burks. All right, we're I'm going to get to some questions um, in a second, but I I I, I want to talk about some of the bad stuff because for as much as I do feel like Tibbs has earned the right to basically get a free pass with the, the way he started out. Um, let's go one by one. So RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett was not in for the fourth quarter. There was one quick shot of RJ on the bench during a late timeout in which I don't want to say he looked disengaged, but he was kind of standing off to the side. I'm sure it did not sit well with him. Um, it wouldn't sit well with me, especially after the last six games that he's had. And specifically, over the last six games before tonight, and we should note that I think Barrett took one three-pointer. He took two three-pointers tonight. So over the last six games, even with going over two tonight, he is around 40% from three, maybe a little under 40%. So if the reasoning for him not being out there was Tibbs wanted to have more floor spacing, at least by recent returns, that wasn't a really valid reason. Um, I think Tibbs did what he did to try to win the game, as opposed to let's get RJ these valuable minutes that could come and help with his development. Cause I think Tibbs believes that the best development for this team is if this team wins games. Um, did he make the right move? Did he make the wrong move? Uh, RJ was not assertive for pretty much this entire outing until very late. Um, of the things that I could potentially kill Tibbs on. I'm not sure if that's the one, uh, that said, the guy who was in there was Austin Rivers. Now, Austin Rivers is the reason that the Knicks won a game earlier this year because Austin Rivers does have ice water running through his veins, and he doesn't really know that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
meaning of the fourth quarter as far as it affecting him and, and what he's able to do. So, again, my guess is Tibbs went with the guy who he thought was going to give him the best chance to win the game. It did not work. That's on Tibbs. Tibbs has to own that. Um, but I, I do think in the grand scheme of decision-making, that's not the one that I'm about to go crazy about. Um, <laughs> the onions. Yes, the onions. We love your onions still, Austin Rivers, even though they are uh, a bit more shriveled uh, of late. All right, let me start to take some questions here. Macri, why is Tibbs okay with guys like Peyton making rookie mistakes but then punishing rookies for making rookie mistakes? Um, I don't necessarily – I think the, the mistakes that Peyton makes are – I don't know. I wouldn't call them rookie mistakes. I think I think with Peyton, you're just talking about a guy who's not very good. Um, his – is like – what did he go from the field? I don't even know. I'm assuming it wasn't very – it wasn't very good. Peyton was three for eight from the field. Peyton went three for eight from the field, not because he was making mistakes. It's because he's just not a very good shooter. Um, I do think he makes the occasional turnover, but I think he makes the occasional turnover in an effort to like get the offense going in whatever set that they're trying to get into. Is it an excuse? No. Is it a reason he should be playing? No. But I do think there's a difference there. And this is where Tibbs the stickler um, kind of rears his ugly head because he likes to know that the guys that are out there are able to reliably execute whatever the scheme is. And I think that's a nuanced point and it may sound like bullshit, but that's the best answer I got. Um, again, is it a good enough reason to keep quickly out of the starting lineup? I personally don't think so. Um, Frank should get a chance at this point. I see some, I've seen some, I've seen some, some Frank chatter in the, in the, in the, in the, feed here um sure um do i think frank should be starting no um i think quickly should be starting and i'd like to see frank get a chance i'd like to see what he could do if nothing else I, he proved that he could hit a shot earlier this season i just don't know especially with the conditioning where it is that anybody should have realistically expected to see Frank tonight. Um, and I think as you know, Frank has a little bit to prove. I mean, he's been out for whatever it's been 16 games. So uh, I'm sure Frank will get a, a shot at some point. I'm not sure that he's the answer to the next point guard problems. Um, so I, I, I yeah. Um, okay. I, I, my producer, my, my wonderful producer, um, Andrew Claudio sent me a bunch of texts uh, with questions that he, he is wondering um, what has to happen for Alfred to sit? I don't know. Emmanuel quickly going off for 31 points. Maybe this does it. We'll find out soon enough. I'm sure he's, he's got to be feeling the pressure because the organization I'm sure wants quickly in there. Um, this is a good one. Should the Blazers trade for Alfred Payton to create the ultimate Macri hate team with Cantor and Mello? I don't hate Carmelo Anthony. Come on, Andrew Claudio. Why are you trying to get the fine people of New York to think less of me by putting words in my mouth? How dare you, sir? How dare you? Um, all that said, please, Portland, trade for uh, Alfred Payton. Um, does Knox get minutes with Bullock, Rivers, and Bullock Bullock Rivers, and I think you meant Burks, healthy. Um, Knox is in a slump, right? He's in a slump. He's allowed a slump. Uh, I think he was the Knicks' most consistent three-point shooter throughout most of the season, given that Burks was not healthy. I still believe in Knox's shot. I believe in Kevin Knox as a NBA player. No, it is not time to get worried about uh, Kevin Knox. I want to see a few more games of, of this before I get worried about him. I just think he's, he's in a little bit of a cold stretch. And I think he's still figuring out how to be an effective guy playing only 15 minutes a night. Uh, <laughs> I don't see your comment, Andrew. I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, Knox is not expendable. Knox is still a guy who has shown enough this season that I think the organization is warranted continuing to try to give him playing time and, and get him right. Whatever version of right is for Kevin Knox, I want to continue to see it. Should Rose cut Peyton to force Tibbs's hand? No. 
I don't think they should cut Faden. I think they have a really, really, really nice locker room right now. And that may not mean a hill of beans in this crazy world. Um, but no, I do think it means something. I think they have a nice unit and I think Alfred Payton is part of that. Um, but he needs to face facts. He went three for eight and he was not effective and he's not getting the team to a point offensively where they're functional. So, you know, it's, it's time. Um, does Tibbs not see that the floor is so much better space with quickly out there? I don't understand why Payton is getting 30 minutes. Tibbs sees everything that we're seeing. I guarantee you Tibbs sees everything we're seeing. At the same time, there is a reliability factor there. And I think – here's what I – and I've said this, I said this, I think, in the preseason. Here's what I don't think Tibbs wants to do. I don't think he wants to go to quickly and have it blow up in his face and have it be five games where the kid looks overwhelmed and then he is between a rock and a hard place because it's like, all right, well, now I either have to go back to Peyton and ruin the kid's confidence, send him back to the bench, or I just keep going with this for the team that, you know, fancies itself in a, in a playoff race. Um, I think when he goes to quickly, he, he wants that to be a permanent move. And it's easy for all of us to be like, we've seen enough. There's no doubt at this point. It's the easy decision. I think it's when you're the it's your ass on the line um again i know that's not a satisfying answer but if you're asking me like what is tibbs seeing or what is tibbs thinking that is my personal best explanation maybe i'm wrong but that's what i think um somebody asks i know he's been great this season and he is an all-star but randall could go up another level if he if his handle was tighter um yeah I agree with that. It's a good, good comment. Um, I think Julius Randle's only 26, and he has more to go as a player, which is why I'm not about to trade him. Macri, do you think Alfred starting is not the issue, but rather Alfred playing? He would kill the bench, too. I actually, like, the guy tries hard on defense. The guy has a good handle. The guy's able to get to the rim. Um, he's dealing when he's out there usually with the same spacing concerns that he causes because he's out there with other guys who – who teams don't honor. I think there's a way that Peyton could continue to get 15 to 20 minutes a night with more spacing on the floor and be an effective player. Do I think it's worth it as opposed to giving somebody else a shot or giving, you know, giving Frank a shot or just maybe, you know, getting more shooting out there with playing all of rivers, um, Burks and Bullock keeping the wall in the rotation. That's a different question. I just, you know, Stuff. The guy's he's trying hard and he's he's executing the scheme. That means nothing to many many of us, but I think that's why he's continuing to get time. Andrew asks, did the Knicks send you that hoodie because you're what? Because you're the sole human who likes that city uniform. That's an insulting question, and I'm not going to answer it. Do you think Mitch should be playing more than 25 minutes tonight? Did he get 25 minutes tonight? Um I thought, it, yeah, 25-38. I think for the season, I'm going to look it up right now. If I had to guess for the season, Mitchell Robinson's averaging about 27, 28 minutes a night. Um, I think Mitch is playing the appropriate amount. Um, I think, excuse me, he's playing 30 minutes a night. I think that is what Mitchell Robinson should be playing. I think Mitchell Robinson is a 30-minute-a-night guy. Um I think his conditioning still has a little bit further to go. Um, I thought Noel played pretty well tonight. Uh, his hands are not good. The, the alley-oop that quickly could not convert because of Nerlens Noel's decision to like try to get it with one hand and then fuck it up like was infuriating. But I thought he did some other nice things. I think he gives you a little bit more uh, mobility on, on defense on the perimeter. Um, he's also not nearly as good in, in the pick and roll. Um He's not nearly as aware of cutters. Um, he's not as good of a player as Mitchell Robinson. My, my, but Mitchell Robinson should be playing 30 minutes a night. That's fine. Um, should the Knicks go after the young man from Cleveland, Kevin Porter Jr.? He was traded to Houston, so sorry. Um, if you had to watch 48 minutes of Dennis Smith's DSG, DSG, I'm assuming you mean DSJ, and Elf play point guard, 
Would you quit being a Knicks fan? Let me tell you something, folks. I had to, what's the worst? What's the worst it got? Watching Derrick Rose play pick and roll defense. That was the low point for me as a Knicks fan in almost 30 years. If I could survive a season of Derrick Rose playing pick and roll defense like a man who was not allowed to make contact as if this were children's flag football, if I could survive that, I could survive 48 minutes of Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith Jr. That said, I don't want to see 48 minutes of Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith Jr. Um, no, every Shved is the go-to. Everybody points to Shved. The 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 Twitter thing where it's like with the Lakers versus the Knicks starting lineup with Shved. Listen, Shved was just a bum. They actually sent Rose out there to, to attempt to play defense, and he just didn't care to do so. Um, which is why that's my low point. Sweet Lou. Ah, sweet Lou. Um, is Tibbs not letting Mitch shoot threes, or is Mitch lying in the offseason when he says he will shoot threes? I think Mitch is a 15-year-old boy who, um, in the body of a 23-year-old boy uh, who likes to say stupid shit on the internet. Uh, okay, here's an interesting one from Carlos. Um, Oladipo Beal, dot, dot, dot. We need a third guy. Yes, we do. One of those guys will cost a lot more than the other, and I think they are absolutely going to be in play for him. Um, give it time, though. I don't think it's going to happen today or tomorrow. Uh, it took so long for someone to figure out the zone defense, put somebody in the middle. Yeah, basically. Um, I mean, I I don't know if it was that they took a while to figure out or if that their execution was poor in trying to combat it. Um, I'll go back and watch that one. Watch the initial possessions against the zone, but I think that's a good point. They should have they they should one way or another they should have figured out the zone more quickly. Mitch is also a troll. Mitch is a troll. Bargnani is the worst. These are all wonderful comments. Oladipo doesn't fit between a point guard and RJ. If they trade for Victor Oladipo, he will be the starting point guard. I'm just telling you that right now. And by the way, he's kind of doing that for Houston, or at least he was the last few games that Wall's been out. Um, yeah, he would be the first guy. Well, Randall probably still be the first guy, but um, see this, I disagree with Does tips have any offensive schemes. No one moves around and it's all a two man game. Seemingly. I think it is a lot of two man game. And I think Tibbs is trying to go to the one advantage he has. Tibbs has one thing that he has going for him right now. And that's Julius Randall. And he's trying to revolve everything about Julius Randall. And he's trying to allow Julius Randall to put the Knicks in situations where they get an open look or, they play Julius one-on-one, and he just takes the guy. Um, or it's a kick out, not for a three, but it's like something else materializes because Julius Randle draws a double. I don't have a problem with going to that two-man game on most possessions. Like, guys running around is not going to – like, nothing happens if guys are just running around. You need someone to draw attention. And if you don't believe me, go look at any of the tape of our units that are just backups. Because Emmanuel Quickly, for as wonderful as he is, a lot of the time when he's out there with Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox and Nerlens Noel and whatever shooting guard they have out there, like, there's a lot of guys moving around. Nothing's fucking happening because no one's drawing the attention of the defense. So all due respect to whoever just asked that question, um, the Julius Randle and player X two-man game is the best thing this offense has going for right now. Um, and I, it, it is the first domino. You need the first domino. And I think that is their best attempt at a first domino on most possessions. So um, that's, that's my answer. Um, I don't recall Tibbs running a double screen to get Barrett going downhill tonight. Uh, I agree. He's been doing that a lot, and it didn't happen a lot tonight. But um, – yeah, I'm not sure why that was the case, but it has been happening a lot. So, you know, I think that's fine. Uh, I'm going to go take a couple more and then, uh, oh, Christ, it's one in the morning. Okay, Macri, with our ability to find gems in the later rounds, more impressive than our top picks, is the Mavs pick the most valuable asset? <laughs> is the Mavs pick the most valuable asset we have now? Oh, God. At this rate, BJ Boston is going to be available when the when the Mavs pick comes up, so maybe it is. That's a I like that. That's a good question. Couple more. Um, 
why aren't we playing more pick and roll, pick and pop like we did under Miller? It worked. Portis's threes and Mitch Alley-Oops. We should do this with Toppin and Noel. Um, that's that's fair. Um, I think Toppin's the guy you would you would do it with. I just don't know if like Obi Toppin shooting threes right now is what they what they're trying to generate out of this offense. But that's a fair point. I absolutely think that's something that they should introduce more. Uh, the only other thing I will say is I think they're trying to like master the offense that they have right now and get it really good before they're, you know, going and expanding into other things. That's my guess. So, yeah. Um, is it just me or is Emmanuel quickly with Randall a little awkward since quick prefers to dribble a little and Randall likes to initiate. This is a good one to end on. Um, Cause it's one I was planning on doing a newsletter on soon and I still might, but I think the, the two guys that I want to see play more together are quickly and Randall. I completely agree with this comment that quickly likes to have the ball in his hands and Randall likes to have the ball in his hands. But at the same time, um, we clearly see quickly with the ability to catch and shoot effectively. And we have seen, maybe not so much this year, but we have seen in the past, um, specifically in New Orleans, Julius Randall be a very, very, very helpful guy on possessions where he does not have the ball in his hands. If he is put in situations where he can just use his physical ability to like do what he does, which is, which is take guys off the dribble or whatever. So I, I think those two guys can figure out how to play off each other. Um, it is the, it's the two man pairing that I'm most excited to see moving forward. I don't think they have played together enough. Um, if you guys give me a second, I will, I will look very quickly on cleaning the glass what um, Julius Randle and Emmanuel quickly uh, have been together when they have played. Um, but while I'm looking that up, I will take one more question. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. Randall has no choice but to trust quick. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The zone offense is terrible. They should run more high lows with Randall and Mitch because it's like a two-on-one scenario. Um, I think think in general I'd like to see them make more of an effort to um, get more lobs to Mitch, but I do also think that teams are game planning against that more and more because they know the Knicks like would love to go to that on every possession. I also think Mitch has been a little bit like not off. That's unfair. But a lot of these a lot of these shots that he's taken around the rim that are getting blocked um, like there was that wedgie earlier tonight where he got the ball stuck between the rim and the, and the backboard. I feel like he was putting those down last year. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying he's any less effective, but okay. So with Emmanuel quickly and Julius Randle on the court together, this is obviously not counting tonight. The Knicks have scored. <sighs> Jesus Christ. The Knicks are in 205 possessions, so not a huge sample size. But um, the Knicks are outscoring teams by 14.8 points per 100 possessions, which is the 96th percentile uh, league-wide, according to Cleaning the Glass. They are scoring 118 points per 100 possessions with a 56.7 effective field goal percentage. Um, they're getting to line at an absurd rate, 27.3 free throw rate. And they are only giving up 103.3 points per 100 possessions. Um, not to mention holding teams to 50% effective field goal uh, percentage. The only thing that they do is they give up the ball a lot. So um, to answer the earlier question, yes, I would like to see more of Julius Randle and Manuel quickly together. Please, sir, uh, may I have another? Um that's it. Um, okay, one last one. What can Obi do? The shot isn't falling. It doesn't seem coordinated enough to score on his own. I think Obi Toppin can play more than eight NBA games. That's what I think Obi Toppin can do. And um, on that note, thank you, everybody. It's, again, past one in the morning. A lot of you, I'm sure, have work tomorrow. I have work tomorrow. Shit, that's going to suck. Um, but such is life. And uh, I appreciate you watching. And uh, this was a, I, I 
you know, we're not good enough that moral victories don't count. I think, I think moral victories count. This was a moral victory. Um, we'll take it. Wasn't perfect, but few are. Um, and we look forward to seeing if they can stay on the same court as Utah, the hottest team in the league on Tuesday night. So I will see you all um, in about 48 hours. Adios. Adios.